Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Alright, so I'm going to get straight into it tonight. Um, Tonight, I'm going to talk to you guys. Yeah, you can have a seat. Sorry. I told you I was going to get straight into it. (laughs) Okay, tonight, I'm going to talk about you know, uh, turning trials into triumph. Um, In Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul writes, reading from verses 11 to 13, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, whether having two hands or one hand. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, So as many of you know, um, I was born without a left hand, which for many can be viewed as a setback in life. The truth is it can be, but it doesn't have to be. Um, We've all been given the power of choice. Um, No matter what setback we're facing, I believe we can turn our trials into triumph. Tonight, I want to look at three things that have helped me and I believe can hopefully help you. Uh, The first of these three things is is we need to speak positive words. Uh, Going back to the text, we see Paul writes, I can do all things. Uh, You know, Paul doesn't write, I might be able to do all things. Um, In some of our circumstances, it's not, I could do all things if I had both my hands. You know, I could do all things if this, I could do all things if that. You know, it doesn't matter, you know, what, um, what's happened in your past. It doesn't matter what other people have said over you. Uh, it doesn't matter if you have one hand. Um, I think I might be alone on that one, but that's all right. It doesn't matter. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, um, you know, it's just really good to see that uh, we see Paul speaking positive words over his life. Um, And that's just the real key that we need to be able to sow into our lives and get good at. Um, For example, the other night, um, I was getting ready for bed and um, I was in bed and dad came in to say goodnight and we're praying and he looked at me and he said, gee, you're good looking. (laughs) To which I gave the typical Mitch Rainbow response. I said, you know what? You're right. I am, aren't I? (laughs) And, you know, I believe that there's a difference between that being arrogant and I just think, you know, you need to be able to speak these positive things over yourself um, because it's much, it's much better for you to be able to say that than for you to, like, in my, in my circumstance, to be able to look back at Dad and say, you know what, that's not true. I don't believe you. I'm not good looking at all. Um, it just really annoys me when I see guys and girls putting themselves down. And um, we need to be able to speak these positive things over our lives. Um, if we have these positive things, if we've put ourselves in a positive mood, um, it's going to make turning our trials into triumph a lot easier. Um, one thing I said on Friday night is I put a challenge out to everyone, you know, because I know it's, it's really easy. So as soon as we get complimented to just, you know, kind of shrink back into our comfort zone and just shake it off and think it's nothing. But I just challenge everyone on Friday and I challenge you guys that, you know, next time you get complimented at, you know, anything at all, just take it and just, you know, just um, whoever's, whatever they've said to you, just look at them and say, you know what, you're so correct. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so good at that thing. Like, <laughs> um, you know, it's not going to, um, at the risk of, like I said before, sounding arrogant, I just think it's, it's good to be able to speak those positive things over your life. Um, uh, my second point for tonight is we need to be able to hang with positive people. Um, 
for example, my parents, um, going back to my story, they never treated me differently from anyone else and they never made excuses for me and they never entertained my excuses. Um, they always encouraged me and they always believed in me. Um, I remember when I was about, I think, 12 years old, a couple of years ago now, um, I told them that I wanted to start playing basketball. And um, to put that in context for you, I'd been playing soccer for, I think, six years up until then, which is all good because, you know, you just kick a ball. You don't really need to use your hands. And um, so I was shorter than everyone else. Um, I had half as many hands. And <laughs> that's a pretty big thing in basketball, being able to use both your hands. And um, all the people that I come up against have about six years' experience on me. So I can imagine uh, myself telling my parents this and, you know, them just kind of, you know, I guess a typical response could be, you know, them telling me not to do it because they don't want me to embarrass myself, which I guess is embarrassing them in a way because they don't want to be the parents of that kid that sits on the bench the whole time. <laughs> um, but no, I was just really grateful for them because I told them this and they, you know, they always encouraged me and they said, you know what, Mitch, I believe you can do, you can do that and you go for it. And... Um, Sorry. Uh, we, want, um, we want people in our lives like that that are going to be able to, you know, bring us up and not, you know, pull us down and keep us where we are. Um, another example, my mate Barry, I don't know where he is. He's over there. There he is, front row. Um, many of you may know our relationship. It's good. We always, um, we always be picking on each other. And um, I feel like he has the upper hand in a way. <laughs> he goes, sorry, I had to do that. No, no one's on drums. There would have been a little ting moment there. But, um, um, you know, many of you that know us know that we always have a joke about it and um, see who can make the best jokes. Um, and some people might see that and think that that's just absolutely horrible and how could you do that to a poor crippled boy? But, which I agree with you, by the way. But um, <laughs> just kidding, Barrett. I love you. Um, you know, I'd much rather have someone like that in my life that, you know, can... We can have a joke about things and just have a laugh and because um, along with those, that also comes a whole heap of encouragement like Barry and all the guys are always, you know, telling me how good I am and that I can do it and not to give up. And I'd much rather have people like that in my world than people in my world that are just going to try and pull me down and make excuses for me and not let me, you know, turn my trials into triumph. Um, something my dad always says is um, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And that's just a great little example for, you know, what I'm talking about today. Because if you have the wrong type of friends in your life that, you know, are going to entertain your excuses and just try and make excuses for you and try and keep you down where you are, you're not going to, like, like I said, in the future, you're going to look back at where you were and you're going to be in the exact same spot. And um, I believe you need friends that are going to encourage you and lift you up and inspire you so that in a year or two down the road, you can look back at where you were and say, you know what, I've come such a long way and I've helped, uh, my, these people in my life have helped me turn my trial into triumph. Um, the third and final point that I'm going to make tonight is we need to do positive things. Because at the end of the day, all the positive words and friends in your life, they mean nothing if you don't put certain things into, into action. You know, at the end of the day, it all comes down to what we do. Um, James, the brother of Jesus, wrote, faith without work is dead. And um, so, so it's like you can have all these things in your life. You can be speaking positive words over your life. You can be hanging with the right people. But if you're not doing things and you're not moving, you're going to be in the exact same place as where you were. And, you know, for some of you, um, some things that you might need to put in place is just, you know, maybe reading your Bible daily or reading your Bible at all. I don't know. Depends where you're at. <laughs> Um, and, you know, attending youth and church on a week, weekly basis. Uh, the good thing about these is they put disciplines in your life um, and they help you 
they equip you with the tools that you need to be able to overcome your trials and turn them into triumph. So it's kind of a win-win situation in a way. <laughs> um, yeah. For example, um, like I said, I was had a bit of a I was a, at a bit of a disadvantage growing up, and um, I was thinking about it when I was uh, writing this bit of a preach, I guess. Um, I get for a person with two hands, I think the two hardest things you could possibly do would be play guitar and play basketball, which ironically are probably my two favourite things to do. Um, and you know, it's just good because without even thinking about it, I've put certain things in place that have helped me you know, overcome my trials and, you know, um, work my way around my disadvantage. And, you know, the best part is I look back at where I was and I've actually come a long way and I'm actually, you know, pretty good at both those things. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, we just need to be able to... Are we, are we clapping? Are we going to clap? Sorry. I wasn't sure. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, so it's just all about the positive things that we can put in place and... Um, Sorry, apply to our lives to turn our trials into triumph. Um, so just remember, uh, when it comes to turning our trials into triumphs, we need to be able to speak positive words, hang with positive people, and do positive things. Thank you. Come on, young man. Well, well, well. I'm sorry, what was your excuse again? <laughs> I don't know about you, I feel a little bit like that. I'm standing there going, so what was my excuses of all the reasons why not? There's a young man who's just said, well, why not? What an amazing thing. That's the spirit of an overcomer right there. That's the spirit of somebody who won't be stopped. I love that. We need to affirm that and encourage that. What a great, fantastic. And I'm not saying this because his dad is my boss. It's got nothing to do with it. I'm not saying this because, no, listen, I'm not saying this because he's the pastor's kid, right? I was a pastor's kid. I get this, right? He is a phenomenal young man with a call of God on his life. And what you just saw there is the spirit of an overcomer that's going to do great things. Watch that space. Watch that space. But I feel a little bit scared too, because I do. <laughs> There's no telling what could happen. <laughs> it's amazing. What an incredible young man. We're about to hear from an incredible young woman. Honestly, when she preached Friday night, I, I seriously thought, that's it for me, I'm done. Um, she brought such a great word, such a great challenge. I know it's going to challenge your socks off. It's Bible. Like, it's all good when someone comes up and shares stories and you can kind of reason your way around and out of it. When someone gets up and shares Bible, it's like, damn it. I guess I kind of have to do that now, don't I? And she's going to come and she's going to bring a now word. And I want you to encourage her. Why don't you stand to your feet again? I'm sorry, we're going to play yo-yos a little bit. Maddie Robinson's going to come and preach the word tonight. Awesome. Can everyone take their seats? That'll be good. <laughs> wow, this is so cool. There's so many people. <laughs> awesome. So, um... Uh, I'm going to start off um, just by saying I feel really privileged to be able to speak to just um, all of you tonight. It was so good being able to preach on Friday um, at youth and the, um, 
that I'm able to share my heart with you guys and talk about what God's been putting um, in my heart is just amazing. So um, I just want to thank you all for that and thank Chris and the guys for giving me this opportunity. Cool. So um, as Chris said, my name is Maddie. I'm 16 years old and I go to Tyndale Christian School. Have you got any Tyndaleans in the house? Yeah. Oh, Josh in the middle and Jimmy down there. Nice. Um, so I'm going to start um, getting to this really quick because I've only got 10 minutes so, and I've got a lot of information. So if you guys have your Bibles or your, um, on your phone or anything, uh, can you please turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 3, uh, starting from verse 1. That would be awesome. Cool. <laughs> All right. I want to get straight into it. So for those of you who don't know much about the Bible or Samuel, um, Samuel is, I think he was about 12 years old. He was a young boy and he was living under the high priest Eli at the time. So he was staying with him. And so we start from verse one and it says, the boy Samuel was serving God under Eli's direction. This was at a time when the revelation of God was rarely heard or seen. One night, Samuel was still in bed and so was Eli. Then God called out, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel answered, yes, I'm here. Then he ran to Eli saying, I heard you call, here I am. Eli said, I didn't call you, go back to bed. And so he did. God called again, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli. I heard you call, here I am. And again, Eli said, son, I didn't call you, go back to bed. God called again, Samuel, the third time. Yet again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Yes, I heard you call, here I am. That's when Eli realized that God was calling the boy. So he directed Samuel, go back and lie down. If the voice calls again, say, speak God, I'm your servant, ready to listen. So Samuel returned to his bed. God came and stood before him as, as exactly as before, calling out Samuel. Samuel answered, speak, I'm your servant, ready to listen. God said to Samuel, listen carefully. I'm getting ready to do something in Israel that is going to shake everyone up and get their attention. The time has come for me to bring down on Eli's family everything I warned him of, every last word of it. Samuel stayed in bed until the next morning, then rose early and went about his duties, opening the doors of the sanctuary, but he dreaded having to tell the vision to Eli. But then Eli summoned Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, what did he say? Tell it to me. So of course Samuel had to tell him. Eli then said, he's God, let him do what he thinks is best. Samuel grew up and God was with him and he continued to show up and Samuel's prophetic record was flawless. Everyone in Israel recognized that Samuel was a true prophet of God. And so that's a pretty big chunk of scripture. So it does have a point and I'm going to get to it. I've got three points tonight. Um, so, yeah. So my first point is that he was sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You know, it says in verse four to five, uh, the revelation of God was rarely heard or seen. But God called out to Samuel and Samuel answered saying, yes, I'm here. And you know, Samuel's spirit was sensitive to the Holy Spirit and we need our spirits to be sensitive to what God is saying to us so that we're able to do incredible things also. You know, in uh, 2012, when I was back in year eight, um, my mate Harmony got a word from God and God told her to start a girls' Bible study in our school. And so she was a bit iffy about it, like, oh, I don't really know where to start. Um, but then at the exact same time, I thought, oh, we should start a girls' Bible study at school. And so um, we talked about it and I told her my idea and she's like, that's weird because I had the same sort of thing. So we decided uh, we would start one. And a couple of weeks later, we started... Uh, Wednesday lunchtime in a back room of school and we had 11 girls shop at our very first one. You know some weeks we ran Bible study and it was only like seven or eight girls that showed up and other weeks we had like 60 to 70 girls and it was amazing. And um, 
So later on in year nine, uh, the next year, we started a boys' Bible study, and we called that Unbreakable. And we decided we'd get the girls' Bible study and the boys' Bible study and mash them together and have like a big event. And we called it The Mashup because um, that's pretty, yeah, no, it's not a good name. But <laughs> um, yeah, so Wednesday at lunch in the hall, had, we had over 250 plus kids show up at this thing. Uh, they came and they played big game of dodgeball and it was chaos. It was awful. It was like 250 kids, girls against boys. The girls got flogged and all went home crying. Like, <laughs> it was pretty bad. And um, we ate hot chips and Mick Roberts, he came and shared an amazing word. And we weren't anything special. We were just two 12-year-old girls. We heard a word from God and we turned it into a reality. See, there's, there's no denying that God speaks to us. But the real problem is, are we prepared to listen to him? You know, during praise and worship, for instance, it's so good like to jump around to the praise songs. And, you know, I personally love that song, the, uh, the We Are The Free, the, the one. I love that song with all the air punches. Um, but I know that in order to be able to discern God's voice and grow deeper with him, I need to take time out to just settle down and let God speak to me and minister to my heart. And if that means just shutting up and just going like, God, I'm just not going to sing for these next few verses. I'm just going to let you talk to me and speak to me and fill me with your presence. That's just what you've got to do. Uh, so my second point is that he was expectant to hear from God. It says in verse uh, 10, Samuel answered, speak, I'm your servant, ready to listen. You know, his heart was open to hear what God had to say. And um, I don't know if any of you guys have heard of Dan Leanne. He, he came and preached here a while ago. And he did a message on familiarity to our youth uh, group. And he talked about not having a familiar spirit, but being excited, you know, and expectant for God to move. And I think the problem is that we let our hearts become familiar. You know, we forget about the amazing things that we've seen God do. You know, the people he's healed, the lives he's touched. And the eyes of our heart become hard. And as a result, God's actually limited to do what he wants to do. You know, um, in Mark 6, Jesus was um, probably about a teenager or, or just a young adult at the time, and he was preaching in a synagogue. And um, as he was preaching, people noticed that he was Joseph and Mary's son. They're like, oh, that's Joseph's boy. That's Mary's boy. Who does he think he is? Like, he's just a kid. And they started putting labels on him, and they didn't believe what he had to say was any good. And it says in Mark 5, 6 verse 5 that he couldn't do any miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of unbelief. You know, when, our, when the eyes of our hearts are hard, they refuse to believe anything they haven't already seen. You know, if you think it's just another Sunday at church, another message from Tony, you know, just another altar call, if you stay in that headset, if you develop that sort of spirit of familiarity and actually harden your heart with unbelief, you'll miss out on all the miracles that God's doing, even if they're right under your nose. You know, whether, you're, whether or not you're included in a move of God depends on your heart attitude. And, but when you soften your heart, when you say, you know what, God, I've been to church since the womb. You know, I've sung every praise song. I've heard every prayer. But I'm ready for you to do something in my life. If you soften your heart like that, if you remain with a spirit of expectancy, I don't know how to pronounce it, expectancy, uh, even when people around you have become familiar, then God will reveal amazing things to you and you have the ability to do incredible things for him. Awesome. And my third point is that um, when God spoke, Samuel obeyed. And it says in verse 15 that Samuel stayed in bed until morning and then rose early and went about his duties. But he dreaded having to tell the vision to Eli. 
you know, um, where am I? It's not going to be easy when God speaks to you. You know, we get this idea in our heads that when God gives us vision, it will be like soft and beautiful and feels like you're sitting on top of the world. But that is the case sometimes, but that's not always going to be the case. And um, sometimes it's going to, God is going to ask you to step out of your comfort zone a little bit. You know, if you want to hear him speak and you're like, God, speak to me, you better get used to being brave because you're going to get thrown in the midst of some scary stuff. You know, Samuel had to tell Eli, the high priest, that he'd wronged God and that his sons were going to perish. And this was a man that he respected, a man that he honoured, and he had to go tell him that he was doing stupid stuff. You know, I gave an example on Friday night. It'd be like me going up to Chris and saying, you're an idiot and your kids are going to perish. Like, that's not going to go down well. I'm going to get a phone call home to my mum saying, your daughter is mental, get her out of the church. You know, if you, if you think God's going to be speaking to you, telling you the wonders hidden in your future, then you're going to be in for a shock when he starts to tell you to volunteer for church cleaning. <laughs> Sometimes it's going to be, you know, go talk to that kid over there who sits by himself every lunchtime. You know, start honouring your mum and dad, which is probably what I needed to do. <laughs> you know, speak up about your faith in your uni or your workplace. Um, for me, it was start being nicer to your best friend because... Your payouts are going too far. You need to start showing her a bit of love and a little bit of kindness. Now, it was a bit like, whoa. <laughs> um, it's not always going to be what you want to hear. But here's the good news. If you obey God in the little things, he's going to trust you with the big things. You know, sometimes you're going to have to get down and wash somebody's feet. Sometimes you're going to have to do things you don't like. But you've got to remember, if you want to be more like Jesus, he wasn't just the king of kings. He was servant and king. You know, um, sometimes it's going to be scary. You know, Samuel was scared. It says that he dreaded having to tell his vision to Eli. And if, it, if, it's, um, if you're looking for comfortable, if that's what you're wanting, comfortable Christianity, then you're in the wrong building. The door is to your left and to your left and to your right. <laughs> Um, but we see that Samuel was obedient to God, even though he was scared. It says he grew up and God was with him, and he continued to reveal his word through Samuel, this soft-hearted boy. And when you're obedient with the little things, God's going to trust you with the big things. You know, when you step out in faith, he's going to enable you to move mountains. You know, we see that Samuel became one of the greatest prophets in Israel, and it all started just with him giving a sort of yucky word to Eli. You know, if there's one thing I want to leave you with tonight that's that God can speak to you. And, you know, people say, you know, that's Old Testament stuff. God doesn't speak audibly and that sort of thing. And I say that's a load of crap. Like, <laughs> I believe with all my heart that God speaks to us. And whether that be audibly, through creation, you know, the Bible, the circumstances we face, you know, the people around us, even through His Spirit. You know, I guarantee if you're sensitive to His voice, expectant to hear from Him and willing to be obedient no matter what, God can use you and do amazing things in your life. And that's a wrap from me. <laughs> wow. Wow, wow. She should possibly be a flight attendant. The exits are here and here and here. In the event of an emergency, oxygen masks will fall from over your head. Please put it over your nose and mouth and breathe normally if that's at all possible after hearing a word like that from a 16-year-old girl. I'm not sure that it is. Fantastic. So good, so good. Is that, is that encouraging to you? That's encouraging to me. I'm loving watching her mum sit on the front row and cry her eyes out too. That's pretty encouraging. <laughs> it's good.
Fantastic. Awesome. Well, let's just kick it off again with a little bit more. Shall we take it up another level again? Fantastic. Why don't you welcome young Emily to the stage? She is an incredible young lady with a call of God in her life. She's going to challenge you like heck. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, you can sit down. <laughs> Alright, so right now, this isn't the most comfortable thing ever for me to do. As most of my friends know, I can be quite a shy person, so doing this is not very easy. But there's two reasons why I'm doing it, and they actually have nothing to do with me. The first one is because of God, and the second one is because of you guys. I'm hoping that me getting uncomfortable will help you guys change your life. So tonight I'm going to be talking about influence. The definition of influence is the capacity to have an effect on the character, development or behaviour of someone or something. So the world today encourages an if it feels right, do it type motto. This motto is not the best and could get you into a lot of trouble quite quickly. It doesn't take long to go from good to bad and then from bad to worse. Another motto the world has adopted is if you can, you should. See, in the world today, we want everything now. Most of us want to grow up and get our license, start drinking, start partying because of the things that we see. Most of us use YouTube, right? There's a lot of stuff you can access on YouTube really easily. Some people figure if it's there, why not? So just because you can doesn't always mean you should. Also, what is right and what is wrong? See, your opinion on things depends on the influences that you have had and still do have on, in your life. This means right and wrong is different for every single person. Therefore, the thing that us Christians need to base right or wrong on is the Bible. The Bible is part of Jesus, it doesn't change and it can't follow feelings. So the Bible is what will tell good and bad correctly. Alright, so I have three main points. Uh, my first one is that influence is what makes you the way that you are. Your family has influenced you from the moment you were born. From the moment you could go to parties, school, sleepovers, you've been influenced by your friends and other people around you. So we need to be careful who it is that we're hanging out with and the things we're doing with those people. Hopefully, it's not just me, but sometimes um, when I was younger and sometimes even now, I have done and still do certain things to impress certain people. See, this is a form of influence. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, it says, Do not be deceived, bad company ruins good morals. The people will, you hang out with will change you. Whether that is for good or for bad is completely up to you. Like Mitch said earlier, one, um, Tony says... Um, show me your friends, I'll show you future. This is true because of influence. My next point is that influence can be a good or a bad thing. If you hang out with the right people, influence will do you good. If you hang out with the wrong people, that's where it becomes a problem. So who are you hanging out with and who's influencing you? Believe me, it's not easy to get rid of the bad influences, but it's definitely worth it. At the start of this year, I had some pretty not-so-good friends. They influenced me a lot. I swore heaps, I changed the type of clothing I would wear, and almost no one knew about it. 
I then went to Summerfest and really felt God say, what are you doing with those people? They aren't helping you, they're hurting you. The destination is what has kept me going and it's what will keep you going and keep you hanging on. But the journey is what really matters. It's what you do with your journey that will determine your future. So hang in there and just remember there will always be one person that you can talk to and that person's God. My last point is that you are an influence too. Your life will often impact others without you or them even knowing. Once again, some of these influences will be good and some of them will be bad. If you have a younger sibling within three years of your age, research has proven that the younger sibling will be greatly influenced by what the other sibling does. This is often because they look up to the old one and that's what kids, even if they're not in your family, will do. So if you do the wrong thing, so will the other child. You'll also impact your friends. Just as your friends can impact you with swearing, bad behaviour or wrong morals, you can do the exact same for them. Matthew 18 verse 6 says, But whoever causes one of the littlest ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great stone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. So if you are influencing people badly, especially if they're Christian, God doesn't want it and it's not in his plan. So we need to make the decision to not only have good morals, good ethics and good behaviour for ourselves, but for the sake of others. So I have a few tips on how to get rid of any um, friends in your life that are bad influences. Like I said before, I've been through this and um, this is part of what I did to get through it, but you might want to do it another way. It's up to you. <laughs> but my tips are, firstly, go to a leader or someone older than you that can help you and help, like, go alongside of you. Um, my leaders really helped me through this and um, helped me along the way. Um, also, pray about it and bathe it in prayer. Ask for help from God. He's the one that helped me the most. Also, limit the amount of time you spend with these people over a period of time. The less you hang out around them, the less that they can influence you. And lastly, just a little bit of encouragement, it will get easier. I promise you this, it won't be easy at the start, but if you follow the steps I've said, it will definitely get easier, especially as the results start coming. How old are you, M? 13. M's 13. <laughs> 13. Do you know what happens if you learn that stuff at 13? <laughs> Do you know how much rubbish in your life you can avoid? Think back. Think back to when you were a teenager and think about the stuff you could have avoided in your life by learning that lesson when you were 13. That's pretty exciting. Think about the, tra the trouble that you could avoid in your life moving forward if maybe we could get a hold of that lesson now at 40. I'm just saying. <laughs> pretty exciting. That was a great word. Thank you, Emily. <clears throat> Have you been blessed so far? Have you been maybe challenged just a little bit? I, I, I'm doing altar calls out the back here for everyone and we're all getting saved, so... Um, we'll bring that out here shortly. But we are going to welcome our last speaker for the evening. So we need to be upstanding for those of you that have sat down. Cheeky people. 
Where's your commitment? Stay the course. Um, and we're going to welcome Josh Newbury as he comes and bring a preach to you tonight. Wow, thank you very much. You can all have your seat. It's awesome to be here. <laughs> now, we were having a bit of a joke before we were getting ready on side stage, and one of the things that said was, Josh, you have this opening line every time you follow someone, and it goes along the lines of, wow, I'm the guy that has to follow that. And the thing is, that's so true. The work these guys have put in tonight is absolutely amazing. I mean, come on. You, you set the bar high, so I am the one who has to follow that tonight, and I just want to commend all those guys for going on before. That At that age, what they're doing is absolutely amazing. So, are you making it seem like I'm old up here? <laughs> am I making it seem like I'm old? I'm old, I'm old. <laughs> but... Just a bit of an introduction. This year, I've been given an amazing opportunity, and that's to be head prefect at King's. And I, I haven't seen a greater opportunity than that come my way ever. And I just see this as an awesome thing to do. And what I find great about it is that people, not only I believe I can make a change in my school, it's the people around me that believe me. I mean, there's people in my youth group I walk into youth every week and people are asking, hey, what have you done in school this week? I got text from one of my good friends. Uh, he's got a really good accent, Dan McGaw. And he wasn't able to be there on Friday night or tonight, but he sent me a message saying, man, I hope you do really well. I know you're a gun and you're going to do awesome. And I've got guys like Timmy Duckworth, my youth leader, there you are. I mean, these guys are just getting right behind me. And I don't think I'd be able to do what I'm doing today without these guys. It's so... It's a real encouragement to know that these guys are behind me, and I'm just so thankful, really. So as I get into it tonight, I really just wanted to share a part of my mission statement that this year I really saw it as a year where I could, I wanted to, we had a camp a couple of years ago, and it was called Counter Culture, and I really wanted to counter a culture this year that, you know, we'd go into our schools and it wouldn't be the same. We're stuck in a broken generation where people are hurting, where people go out and party, where people need to have alcohol so that they, they think they can have fun. That, you know, it wasn't a good night unless I can't remember it the next day. And we need to change this culture. Recently, I went on a camp to Canberra, which was awesome. But one of the nights there, we did barn dancing. And with that... <laughs> One of the nights there we did barn dancing and honestly, 140 kids, it was really hot and sweaty in there because it was a barn and there was like no circulation, but we had an awesome time. There was not a drop of alcohol and that's what our generation needs. So as I come in tonight, I find it pretty cool because, I mean, this isn't just a message that I can preach to you, it's a, it's a message for me as well. I feel like I'm preaching to myself tonight. And it's just because this is something I want outworked in my life so that when I can look back in a year, in 10 years, in 100 years, when I'm sitting in a rocking chair, just looking back at all the things I've done, I can just go, wow. So I've given my message tonight the title of Your Now Leads to Your Wow. Now, this isn't going to be a list of instructions that you have to do. It's more of an inspiration. You see, you can't go about your now as if it's something that's in the past. You know, it was a nice memory. Yeah, that was cool. 
You can't do it. it it's now. Likewise, you can't go, oh, I'm going to put off my now till tomorrow. Because I think we've all heard of that land of tomorrow. Everyone's gone to school before and they've all gone, oh, yeah, I'll do that homework tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Oh, it's Friday and my teacher's sitting there going, where's your homework? And I'm like, uh, tomorrow night. So we can't keep putting it off in the land of tomorrow because if we put our land now in the land of tomorrow, it's not going to happen. Sorry, I'm just getting my notes back up. Uh, now, a lot of us here are in youth ministry and not even considered to be adults yet. But this doesn't mean we can't make a difference and this is for everyone in the room tonight. Timothy 4, 12 to 16 says, Let no one despise you of your youth. But be an example to believers in the word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhaustion, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which is given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to doctrine. Continue in them. For doing this will save you both your, save both yourself and those who hear it. Now I know a lot of people might preach this verse and you know inspire you to do something cool. But I want to take it a little further tonight. I want to make it look like that this isn't something just for our young people. I want you to look at it in a way that you might have not thought of it before. Because I know some people might zone out when they hear the word youth and they go, Well, I'm not in my youth anymore. And that's probably right after you say, get off my lawn. But I, <laughs> but I really wanted to make it in a situation where you could hopefully put it into your own perspective. You see, we can edit things and swap things in the verse. So let no one look down on you because you're in your 20s, in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. <laughs> oh, 21, Steve? That's where it's at. I don't care if, you, I don't care if you're 100. Do not let people look down on you. You can still change the world. It does not matter your age. I mean, people might even try to look down on you because of your appearance. I mean, people might look down on you because you're short. I'm sorry, I had to use it. Um, <laughs> maybe people look down on you because you look funny. Maybe people look down on you because you smell like feet. I know how rude people can be these days. Trust me, I've been there. But this gives them no reason to look down upon you. So don't you dare let them. It doesn't matter how tall or short, how smart or, well, how good looking or how puberty hasn't kind of yet worked on me. It doesn't matter about these things, you can still change the world. You can change the world by doing your now well. To change the world, though, we have to repair. I mean, no superhero walks up to his first fight wearing his plain old everyday costume. I mean, I know a lot of us in the room would have seen the first Spider-Man movie, and in that movie, Spider-Man had to make his own costume, and he sat down at the sewing machine and put it all the way through, and it didn't matter how dodgy it was, he had to prepare. You see, it doesn't matter how dodgy it is, we need to prepare so that when, we're ready, when troubles come our way, that we are ready to go the distance. We need to, we need to read our Bibles, we need to get to know him more and more, because when he needs us to suit up and save the day, we need to be prepared. And on the topic of superheroes, 
there is a famous quote from the first Superman, Spider-Man movie, and it's from Uncle Ben, and he says, with great, res- with great power comes great responsibility. And this is a lot like our calling and vision. You see... Whoops. <laughs> uh, you see, we read in Timothy that we are not to neglect the, the, gift, the gift that is in you, which is given to you by prophecy. You're special. God made you special for a reason. Everyone in this room, you have a calling. You have something special which you have to do. I mean, and that's not what everyone else in the room is going to do. The person sitting next to you is going to be doing something to something different to what you are doing. God gave you the gifts and talents you need to outwork your calling. And that makes you special. It also gives you responsibility. So as I close up today, I want to encourage you to believe that you can do anything. That you are special. That you're never too young. And that you're never too old. And in the grand scheme of God's plan, that you are not one in seven billion. But you would see yourself as the one of seven billion. Thank you. Well, wow. That's pretty exciting, right? You can grab your seats. We'll get the band to come up. We've got one more little surprise for you, and that is uh, Jordan Rainbow is going to come up in a minute, and she's going to share around our giving tonight, which would be fantastic, and I'm excited to hear what she's going to bring. It's going to be brilliant. She's an amazing young lady. But um, that right there is why we do youth ministry how we do youth ministry. We don't go bowling, because you can bowl anytime. We don't, although we do go bowling every now and again, but we don't do bowling all the time. Our, our, our mandate is to raise up a generation of people who know how to love on Jesus. Um, I, I think this is probably, I'll share with you my heart. Is that all right, so far as I share with my heart? My heart, my heart, and the revelation that I got from God, and this is the, the revelation early on when I first started getting involved in youth ministry, was um, there, there seemed to be a ceiling or a shelf life on youth ministries that, that built around events or around entertainment. And uh, I've done youth and young adults for a long time, and what I found was when youth finished, young adults didn't know what to do. But we'd created in them an appetite for entertainment. So what they did was they went looking for entertainment. Our fault. We created a hunger in a generation to be entertained. And I was seeking God, God, I don't want to do this. This is a pattern that just repeats. We get these incredible young people and they love to come and have fun, but they don't know what it is to touch God and they don't come on the spiritual nights, but they come on the fun nights. And at the end of the day, they get to about 17, 18 and they stop coming altogether. And mum and dad can't even talk them into coming. And then before too long, they're not even in church anymore. What do we do to fix this pattern, God? And as clear as anything, I felt like he said to me, you have to create a desire and a hunger for the presence of God. Because when you've experienced God's presence, nothing else will satisfy you. And you know what? I can go and stand in the middle of the most pumping nightclub in Adelaide and feel completely unfulfilled and unentertained because I'm not hungry for that. I'm hungry for the presence of God. So unapologetically, we will continue to create an appetite 
in a generation where they are hungry for God's presence, where they are hungry for His Word, where they are hungry for biblical pattern. Why? Because we want to secure a generation for the future of this church. We don't want to set them up to fail. We want to set them up to win. If they could not make the mistakes that we've made, that would be a good thing. It's been said that stupid people learn from their own mistakes. Smart people learn from other people's mistakes. I believe we're raising a smart generation that can learn from our mistakes. And I'm not here to, to look down on anybody and their brokenness of their journey. I don't know if you've been through divorce. I don't know if you've been through addiction. I don't know what you've been through. But even if you have, don't you want more than that for your kids? Don't you want, wouldn't it be great if they met their wife or husband and just stayed married to that one person? Isn't that what we want? Even if we've had to walk through brokenness in their own circumstance and situation, don't we want the best for them? We've all come to a place where we've found that the world and everything that it has to offer is unsatisfying long term. And that the buzz of the moment is gone. There's an emptiness to it. And having all the stuff, our Hollywood superstars are still topping themselves. Because there's still something missing. I want more than that for this generation. I want to raise a generation of young people that have hope, that have purpose that know Jesus. That's why we do youth ministry how we do youth ministry. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.